And I'm back with Luke Marson and Jared Pazahonic. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having hey. us. We got Jared in pink, Luke in blue. I'm in white. It's red, but I don't mind pink. Uh, yeah. Well, whatever it is, it's looking good, man. It's it's a nice look for you. We can dick, dick around about the color scheme, but anyway, we got it. Um, we've just been talking about S4 HANA and HCM and Sapphire ASUG reactions, and now I want to switch gears. Uh, you guys in recent uh, podcasts with Steve Bogner, you got into some very interesting stuff on good practices. Uh, it was actually a two-part. Uh, Luke, you were on the first part. Jarrett, you were on the second. It's all worth listening to. Um, but at any rate, I wanted to pull a couple things out there and just ask you guys about uh, what you're seeing on the ground with HCM, cloud projects, success factors in general. Um, you talked about good practices on that podcast, so I don't want to redo that completely. Uh, what about bad practices? I mean, I think there's more of these than there are good practices. Are you still seeing a lot of bad practices out there, or are people getting it together? I still see a lot of customers. You know, we hear all this talk about revisiting your business processes, simplification, but I still hear, and, and sometimes I'm actually seeing it, is customers still finding it hard to let go of some of those practices. You know, well, this is what we've done before. And you talk about the simplification and about, well, why don't you try this? Or what about doing this? And, and you know, they think about it for a bit, and then they decide that they want to just stick with, with what they've got in, in some ways. And I think some of the value proposition is being lost there. Some of the opportunity to make something easier is uh, is lost. And for those customers that come from an SAP background, you know, it's natural for them to always think, well, what did we do in SAP? And although you you can do some of that stuff it, it, in the cloud, it just doesn't always translate because that's not how SuccessFat is designed, right? It's been built on very different design principles, um, different people looking at it. And, yeah, there's some overlaps, of course. There's going to be overlaps in every HR system because some process quite simply just work in a specific kind of way. But there are always areas where customers can, can do something else. And I think a lot of customers think that the technology is going to solve their problems for them. So they don't do all this HR work up front, you know, by simple things by let's look at our grade catalog or our job catalog or, you know, how, how, we, how we do salary um, gradings and leveling and whatnot. And then they try to, to fit this kind of very crazy way of doing something into the cloud. And, yeah, you can bodge it in, but it, it shouldn't really be how you're doing things. And, and when you look at it, you think, well, actually, you don't really need to be doing this. There's a more simple way of doing it. But customers just sometimes just want to stick to what they know. It's kind of like, you know, the old habits. That's what we've always done. That's what we know. That's what all the managers know. Let's kind of stick with it. And I think there's some real lost opportunities there. Yeah, I mean, one thing, uh, Luke and I had the opportunity, we were one of, I think, maybe three or four consultants that had the opportunity to go out to a consultant and analyst event out at uh, Success Factors maybe a month ago. And uh, one of the things that caught my attention was that there's plans to start to hold partners more accountable. And, and where I'm going with this is that there's partners that have put up a, a shingle to say, we are a cloud consulting firm. Some of them have, they all have all the official cloud partnerships. They are not doing cloud implementations. Um, it's a challenge for some companies to do cloud implementations. Cloud implementations, uh, there's more business involvement. Some of the stuff Luke talked about, 
you might not even need a consultant for that. You, you don't necessarily need a consultant to look at every one of your business processes and, you know, and bring what they call as best practice. When you have a consultant with two years of experience telling you the best practice they've seen and telling people that have been in the business for 15 years, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a joke, uh, to me at the end of the day. I, and so one thing success factors promised to do was, and they're, and they're just starting this is to start to keep an eye on what partners are having more problems with their implementations. What, what partners are having, you know, what partners are maybe bringing necessarily too many resources for this project. At the end of the day, I can tell you that you do not need as many consultants to implement cloud HR as you did in the on-premise world. And, and I mean, there is still some levels, some areas are more complex than others, like employee central and you know, employee central payroll and some of those areas. But, but at the end of the day, implementations don't need teams of consultants on site. And so if you have a consulting firm that, that that's proposing that, I, I just think it's important that one of the things I talked a lot about in my portion that I talked to Steve about was it's some of the same things that we've all been talking about for years still apply for the cloud as far as look at who's coming on your project, check LinkedIn, even though it's now owned by Microsoft, uh, you know, ask for references, do those things to ensure that you're getting top-notch people on your project because you're paying top-notch dollars whether you get a top-notch person or not. And and get a few quotes as far as software firms, software vendors, uh, sorry, software implementers that you're considering to use. And, And all these things, getting smart beforehand, Watching videos like this go a long way in, in, in helping you start off your journey to the cloud in the right way. I think that was one thing I was really struck by by your conversation you guys had is that it seemed to me that when you talked about good cloud HR projects, it was really a mixture of kind of classic principles and 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 really new thinking that also needs to be taken into account, right? So so, for example, on the classic side, we have some of the stuff you just talked about and, and the importance, for example, of retaining independent viewpoints and, and looking at a range of solutions instead of just looking at the one that your preferred partner is providing you with. And these are classic things, right, that customers should always be doing, regardless of cloud or not. But then there's some new cloud sort of implementation aspects that seem a little different as far as like the role of the consultant, like maybe not on site nearly as much, saving you a lot of billable hours because you don't need them on site constantly. And then a point that Steve Wagner made that I thought you guys hit was this notion of like, you can't necessarily be like, where was my field? I need this field in there. It's like you were saying there's no competitive advantage in core transactional HR. And, and to me, that was some of the stuff that sounded like new thinking. I mean, some of that, some of that stuff, it's just like we talked about it in our S4 HANA video that we just had is you have a hundred fields in your legacy system. You might be using 20 of those fields. Well, to find out, do you really need those 80 fields? And of those 80, you need, really do need 10 of them. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of effort for, for multinational organizations. And so to do the stuff that Luke, that Luke talked about, which I think is great is, Looking at your business, understanding where you want to go, having quick decisions. That's one of the things I find that I really like about the cloud projects is I like the more agile methodology of build, you know, getting requirements, building, getting requirements, building. I, I just think that that's the way that you lead yourself down a road to, to, to easier success rather than having more of that. Let's gather all the requirements and let's walk away and let's come back. A lot of stuff gets lost in there. So 
Yeah, yeah. To me, you know, to me, at the end of the day, it is a real mix between what people did in the past, and, and there's some really good lessons learned there. But, but the cloud is different, and I will say that just because someone was a great, you know, on-premise consultant, there is some different mindset that doesn't make all those people being able to transition over to the cloud. And one of the good, one of the big things is being able to work on multiple projects, uh, being able to work remotely. You know, and those are things that just not every, and not every company, not every consulting firm is set up with that business model either to be able to have their team working on two projects at the same time. And so those are the things that I personally like, um, that, that I think, uh, it's not going to be for everyone at the end of the day. Yeah. Luke, in fact, you quoted my, uh, Diginomica Spitfire colleague, Dan Hallett on, a trashing, uh, legacy thinking as, as part of the trap that some consultants can fall into. Yeah, it's Jarrett makes a very good point there that just because you were a great legacy consultant doesn't mean you're going to be a great cloud consultant. And just because you have 20 years in cloud, actually sometimes I think it's 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 worse when someone's got 20 years in cloud than it's been on premise than if they had say five six years because it, it that on premise thinking is is ingrained in them at that point, you know, and it takes a lot to to change that level of thinking. Especially when they've, they've gone from being on site for 20 years, you know, customizing tables and, and all this kind of thing. And then they have to be, you know, remote and on site and have these two, three different projects and, and, and approach this, 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 this whole implementation from a cloud perspective. But they're not really knowing what the cloud perspective is and they might even be told what it is by somebody who doesn't know it either. You know, I've, I've come across people who say, well, there's this new, this new cloud world. It's all about working on multiple projects and working remotely. And I don't think I agree with that. If now, a performance management project, maybe you can do three, four, five in one go. You know, it's a single process. It's very easy to configure. You know, there's, there's, not a, there's not a whole lot going on. But when it comes to a core HR implementation, you've got multiple processes. You've got lots of complexity. Even working on two projects at one go can be challenging depending on what the projects are. And I also don't agree on this, 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 this remote model. I mean, I don't agree with the on-premise uh, model of, of, of this kind of 100% on-site, but I don't think a 0-5-10% is good either. You know, this balancing 40 to 60, 65% seems to be the right level because ultimately you have to have a lot of interactions with the customer. You have to do a lot of um, problem solving and process design and rework and, and, and there's a lot of niggly things that, that go on, you know, because you've got so many different processes and it touches so much of the business. Now, I know performance management might touch everybody, but it touches them in such a light way. I mean, core HR touches a lot of people in quite heavy ways. You've got a lot of things going on all of the time in your organization, which you're managing in the system. And so having someone working on three projects and never being there doesn't help anybody. And especially as what I've seen as well is, is there's still, when I say still, I mean, I've not seen a lot of strong project management or program management on projects. And I think that is more important than ever because if you're managing lots of resources and only working a bit on your project, a bit over here and a bit over there, you've got to be able to make sure you've got them when you need them and that you, you've got all of these people lined up doing the things that need to be doing and that gets much harder when they're also got to be doing this here and this here and this here and I've come across consultants doing six or seven projects and I just think how can they do that 
how, how, how can any project manager be able to manage the part of the project that involves them when they're doing so much else? I mean, there's only so many hours in the week, and, it, and I, I just find it remarkable that um, systems integrators are managing their people like that. You know, John, two two things that jump out there. One is, you know, even in the on-premise world, you'd have big teams of consultant, but you'd have people. You'd have a group of people at each project. You might have five people on a team, but you'd have one or two people that really did a majority of the work. And what I'm finding in the cloud world is the teams are one or two people. So that's one of the challenges there. That if you were one of those three, four, five consultants that was there, uh, you know, creating a business process documentation, for example you're going to struggle in this new environment because you have to be someone that, you know, understands the business and understands the technology. So there's just the teams just, just aren't as big. Uh, that's just the one thing that, that really jumps out. But, but Luke is right. You know, people that are managing, you know, multiple projects, I mean, that's, that's difficult under any environment. And, and the thing is, is that the success factors model from what I've seen has a lot more, they're counting on the customer to do a lot more. So customers like it when they see the software price, customers like it, very often when they see the implementation price. What they don't realize is that there was a lot of things now that they're responsible for doing. They may be responsible for doing all the data conversion and the data mapping. There's tools there. Now, some of these things could have been done in the on-premise world by customers as well, and some of them were done by customers. But a majority of, of some of this work was done. They wanted to bring outside consulting groups in. So so the fact is, is like, the cost is cheaper, but customers have to understand that there's a lot more expected of them, and they have to make sure that they line up. Like one of the things, successful on-premise projects, team customers brought their best and the brightest on the project. That's no difference in the success factors world. Backfill those roles and make sure you have the right team members on the project. To me, every successful project I've been at has had a team of very qualified people from the customer involved in the project and that just goes that that just helps the project immensely all through many different levels one of the points you made on the podcast was that those best people you can trace that back into involving them into the actual product evaluation and selection as well so back them into the very beginning of it yeah i mean you have to tell when you're making that decision you just don't say we're going to get some new software and a month later you're buying the software and starting your deployment to me the companies that are smart start these projects six months, a year ahead of time. Internally, they start researching stuff. They start getting smart about what they're going to be doing. And, you know, you want to get the people to really understand the business because a good point that Luke brought up is there is business transformation here. If you're going to the cloud and replacing a 15-year on old technology, there's your business has changed. You're not doing anything anymore. If you If you haven't changed anything, that's best practice anymore. HR has changed. Things have changed. You have to be start getting smart about, you know, what how we're going to roll this out to our employees. Now we have all this new mobile capability. All these things involve, you know, decisions to be made early on. And if earlier on you bring these people and you keep them through the, the end of the through the whole project, the better off you're also going to be when it comes time to support this offering later on because you've been involved in every decision. You've been involved building out the technology, and now you're there to support the system. So it sounds so simple on paper, but so often these people are considered maybe indispensable in their current role, and and all of a sudden now they're living with maybe this system that is not is not as good as it should be. Okay, Jared, I'm going to try to ask this question without getting too uh, much of a chip on my shoulder, but when you are in the good position that SAP's been in with success factors where you have a lot of demand, 
then you also have to look at from a skills perspective how you supply that demand. And then you often go back to looking at certification <laughs> and how it is that you're going to get enough people uh, qualified to meet that demand. And certification is often the first place that vendors look to try to meet that. Where are we with success factors and all that from your point of view? Yeah, I mean, Luke is Luke is a professionally certified consultant. He's one of a handful, I don't know how many EC professionally certified consultants there are out there. Uh, but at the end of the day, just being certified, so there's two levels of certification. And I, John, you'll sort of, I know at one point you were pushing for three levels of certification. Um, so there's an associate level certification. To me, that's, you understand the basics. Uh, and, and one, one flaw is some areas of success factors don't even have that. So an area I focus on, employee central payroll doesn't have any certification right now. So there's that. And once you've been on two projects that you've led, and that's a key distinction, two projects that you've led, you become professionally certified. And there's some other stuff that Luke can throw in that make that classification. One of the things I see is customers don't know about these levels of certification. They don't really know what they mean. So Luke's done a good job of, you know, telling people what these are. But at the end of the day, customers are not, they might be saying, are you certified? But in some cases, they're not even looking for that. So we're back to the same issue we had for many years is that, Oh boy. The certification, you know, um, to me, a multiple choice certification for the associate. I understand why SAP does it. There was an approach that success factors had before, and my initial certification was done in a way that I think was better. A more of a case study, open book approach. You're actually showing your interpersonal skills, re recording videos on Jam. It was the way consultants really work. Um, I've been adamant that that's not, I don't believe that's the best approach. SAP's come back and said it's the only way that we can scale this, which is to me an answer that they've always used. Um, but at the end of the day, there is not enough good success factors consultants to meet the demand of projects that are out there. Now there may be enough certified consultants if you put them on every project, but keep in mind some of these have been certified in the last six months. When I started success factors two and a half years ago, I did not know very much in six months. And I'm coming with a lot of business knowledge and, and other knowledge. So at the end of the day, to me, that's one of the reasons why there is not, a, for good examples, Employee Central, I think 45% of Employee Central projects are live. That number, you know, if that number in a perfect world would be maybe 65 or 70%. And some of the same issues you're seeing in S4 is there's just not enough skilled people out there to be able to deliver the projects. And that's something that success factors knows as well. And they're looking to, to try to meet, meet, you know, try to fix that, but it's not an easy fix. It takes a while to acquire good knowledge. And I'll turn it over to Luke. I, I think Jeff's on a lot of really good points there. One of the problems is the demand, but also that the approach by the systems integrators to get people trained, I don't always think is, is the best approach. The classical approach has been that as a, as a as an associate certified, you know, as, as essentially a junior consultant, a fresher, whatever you want to call it, they should be shadowing an experienced lead consultant for lead projects in order to in order to learn. I mean, that's how it worked. Uh, this is sorry, extremely Luke, difficult. Sorry, look, I got to interrupt because uh, you shorted out for just a minute. You said uh, at least two projects, the shadowing. Yes. Okay. Thanks. Continue. Yeah, at least two, at least two projects. And that's very difficult when you're running a, a, a project almost entirely remotely. 
because you, you, you lose out on a lot of that interaction to learn from. But at least by shadowing two projects, being in all the workshops, maybe taking on a bit of the configuration, uh, being on different calls, helping with the, with the testing, the training and whatnot, it's quite valuable. And I know myself having shadowed a number of implementations early on in my career, how much you learn from that and get yourself into a position where you can then lead implementation, maybe with an experienced consultant supporting you as an SME solution architect or somewhere near the project, maybe not uh, hands-on as a deep. Then I think that that is where consultants are going to get get the skills they need to be able to become uh, solid lead consultants. But what we're actually seeing in practice is somebody gets trained as an associate. They may be shared on a project. They can be thrust straight into a lead consultant role. I don't know how someone without the experience, without the technical understanding, without having seen the new mindset in action, that they can actually design and build a solution which is going to work for a customer that isn't just, you know, um, lacking core elements or just built based on what the consultant knows about SAP on premise. You know, I've been into fixed implementations at customers and they've configured something when a standard feature existed or they've built or put all these fields in for integration, but standard fields already exist. You know, just simple things like that, you know, building up horrible, horrible processes because they didn't understand how the system worked. They didn't know the capabilities. They didn't even understand from a high level how the integration works, which I think is another thing every every employee central consultant should learn. And so because of that, customers have just got systems that they cannot roll out to, man- to managers and to employees. And if, they do, and if they do, the adoption is very low and it has to be read in any way, which doesn't give confidence in these employees and managers that their company actually knows what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, and one thing to keep in mind is these products are evolving at a pace that I have not seen in my SAP career. So, I mean, you are getting, a, you know, every every three months we have a, what's called a IRR call. So it's like an internal readiness release call. Maybe that's not what it is, but something like that, where there's a 200-point PowerPoint presentation for Employee Central. There's two calls for Employee Central, actually, Employee Central, Employee Profile, where there's 200-slide PowerPoint deck of new piece, new functionality. So as a consultant, you have to stay current because you might have said no, something wasn't possible six months ago. You might have said no at the start of the project. Three months later, that might be part of the core offering. And so it is a lot more of a dynamic uh, – it's, it's a lot more dynamic. It's a lot more changing. and. And SAP realizes that as well. So there's been some talk about well, how do we keep people knowledgeable? And they were going to do some some what was called Delta certification, where every release you were going to have to take another multiple choice test. And there was a, a lot of pushback uh, in various uh, channels and community. I let a bit of that. Uh, other people chimed in. But the nice thing was, in this case, success factors listened, and they realized we can't have consultants having to take a test, a multiple choice test on older dated material. And so they're going to roll out what's called a Delta certification process. So you keep your certification, but you have to, all the details aren't out yet, but there is some type of continuing education. And I think that's very important. SAP and SuccessFactors has the ability to allow no one that's not certified and not current on their system. And that's a real difference than in the on-premise is the on-premise I could work on any customer as long as they let me. In the success factors world, 
Success factors controls whether I get my provisioning account, whether I'm logged into this customer, they have whether I have access so they can control who works on their system. And we had a great podcast with uh, Jason Aberbook and Jason Aberbook. He talked about it was the difference between if you own your own home, you can have a guy off the street come and paint your home. But if you work, if you live in an apartment, you need to have a someone on the vendor list come and do the various pieces of work. And so. It's a changing mindset for SAP um, as far as how do we manage our consulting firms better and and what do we do to hold their feet to the fire a little bit more. And, you know, uh, books like SAP Nation were published impartially because SAP didn't hold consultants to the fire maybe as much as they could. And and one thing I'm hopeful to see, we heard a lot of talk around it, is, is that there's going to be a lot more. Uh, watching, seeing vendors, seeing SIs, and making sure that they're doing right by their customers going forward. Right. So, uh, Luke, I know you've been in dialogue with SAP around some of the certification components on the success factor side. Um, I'll just tell you uh, from my analysis of this, my view, I, I like the Delta part that Jared mentioned as far as the idea of keeping these current, I'm a fan of, but I, I do hope that customers better understand the distinction between associate and professional. Because in my mind, associate, a multiple level choice test, sorry SAP, but that cannot be related to field experience in a valid way as far as I can rely on this person as a consultant. I'm sorry, but uh, that will never fly. Now, it can certainly validate a certain level of knowledge that could be helpful in the context of the other skills that person has. So I have no problem with it as part of a package. On the other hand, what you, what SAP's done with professional, in my mind, goes a long way towards what we were talking about, which is a credential you can trust. And in my mind, you can really look hard at a professional certification and say, hey, at least I know this person has a certain level of validation. Um, but Luke, in terms of your talks with SAP, where are we on all this stuff? Well, first, I would just like to say that um, the professional level absolutely has authenticity for the consultant. It means that SAP have actually contacted customers and asked them multiple questions about you in order to understand your capabilities, you know, your delivery, your quality, your understanding, whether you actually provided value. I mean, you, you, before, before that can happen, you have, to, you have to tick a number of boxes in that process. You can't just say, well, I've done projects, I'm going to apply for professional, they'll find my customers and they'll say, yeah. You actually have to meet some criteria. And then once you've passed the criteria, they'll then contact the customer and go through a number of, of, of questions and then evaluate based on that whether you get it. So there have been people who have been denied professional certification because they don't tick all the boxes. So it's, it's a reasonably rigorous process, and it cannot just be passed by anybody. It doesn't matter. You might tick you know, the, the qualifying cr- criteria, but actually you might not have been that good on your projects, so you're not going to get professional. You're going to have to just keep going at it and do some more projects and reapply. And then once you meet or you tick all those boxes, then you can get it. So it absolutely means something. And customers should absolutely be looking for certified professionals ahead of associate. They should be making sure at least their lead is an associate professional, sorry, is a certified professional. And there are plenty of them out there. There's a few lessons, say, the newer modules like EC, but, you know, there's, there are plenty out there across the whole, whole suite. 
Right. And Luke, how many professional, how many professionally certified EC consultants do you believe there will be out in the marketplace right now? At the last count, which was some months ago, um, I recall it being in probably the, the 20 to 30 mark. Right. Now, and, and how many projects would be active right now, EC projects? Maybe a couple hundred? Couple of hundred. Right. And I think, and John, I mean, there, and that's the dilemma to a certain degree. I think that success factors has is that there is a time where the newer offerings, there's a bit of a lag because I totally agree with Luke that a professional, a professional EC certified consultant should be leading all the projects, but maybe you have a, maybe you have 50 now. I don't even think it's that many, but let's say there's 50 and you have 300 projects or 200 projects ongoing right now. I think there's even more, but that, that there is a dilemma. It, is not everyone can even get a professionally certified EC consultant to be on their project. And, and so, the, and there's some of the challenges of a, of a, a product that's grown very fast. It's got a lot of adoption in the marketplace. Consulting is going to take some time to catch up in, in examples like this. And what, what, what worries me is that SAP themselves are not even asking customers to look for certified professionals. So customers don't know they should be looking for that. And as, I mean, as Jared mentioned, not every case they're going to get that. But there are a lot of customers out there that are probably in need of a certified professional that have no idea. And SAP are not even recommending firms that actually have certified professionals when they know there are other firms out there that have them. So that's also somewhere where SAP needs to maybe be a little bit better is you've got the, 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 the education part of SAP doing their part. But then you need really the, the salespeople to do their part because they're the ones that are in contact with all these prospects and, and trying to advise them on what they need. And, and they really ought to be out there selling this concept to customers because if customers put enough pressure on partners, they're going to they're gonna put a bit more effort in, in, in getting their people on the right type of projects. And, and maybe there are actually consultants out there that are applying for professional certification who actually should be and are eligible to be, and so therefore losing on opportunities and, and customers are losing out. But, John, this is the same issue for, for the last 18 years that I've been in SAP, is that if customers aren't demanding professionally certified consultants, it has to come from the demand from the customers to push into the consulting world at the end of the day. And to me, like the fact that they couldn't do that in the SAP world, can they effectively market this so that the demand comes from customers in the success factors world? And I haven't seen it yet. I, I see get job postings every day. I can count. It's just like the study that you guys did with, with Martin and Dennis and folks is that I'm seeing maybe one to 1% is saying professionally certified. I'm even seeing, I would say maybe, maybe 20 or 30% is saying certified in general. So that's more than in the SAP world, but I have, I don't even remember seeing actually one that I think about it that specifically said professionally certified in the, in the job ad. So that's the dilemma that SAP has and success factors. And I haven't heard how they're going to solve that. That problem. I think Luke has brought more awareness to the professionally certified program than than anyone in the marketplace right now. And nice job, Luke. Good yeah. job. And, and I got to say, you know, as having fought SAP on this hill and lost, you know, I said this would be the hill I die on, and I lost. <laughs> I always say to customers, educate yourselves and 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 request uh, more professionally certified consultants and. And, and stand firm on that. And this ties into Jared, I think, and uh, we do need to wrap this discussion shortly, but this ties into one thing I think that, that became very clear is that the opportunity for customers here is to become much more informed about all this stuff, right? 
like like Luke's blog is out there. So if you take the time, you can read that and you can become aware. Uh, user groups are out there that you can connect to. There's so many different ways you can become a more effective consumer of enterprise software, and that will help you a lot to navigate these issues. No, I mean, you know, one thing I always say when I when I give a talk is I always say, you know, the old poker analogy. When you sit down at a poker table, look around the table and find the sucker. And if you can't find the sucker, that means it's you. And I always say, like, I'm not calling customers suckers, uh, but you have to understand that Luke and I do this every day. Consulting firms do this every day. SAP sells software every day. Customers are making these decisions every three, five, seven years. Spend some time. Get smart. Go out on, go out on social media. Go out on LinkedIn. Read blogs. There is an unbelievable wealth of information out there. The pro, read Dejanomica. Uh, listen to these podcasts. Listen to these videos. The, I mean, I'm telling you, you will get, you spend one hour of time for these various things a day. You will get information that you couldn't get anywhere else. You, you find out who's telling you information straight. And start to listen to those sources and pull together this information. And, and once, and once consulting firms realize that you're a savvy customer, they treat you differently. Once the vendor realizes, hey, whoa, you're having, oh, you're having someone else come and do a, an analysis as well. They give you a better price. You get more. Be smart. It, it, you, I, I just, the more times you do it, you're, you're going to have a more successful project, but you've got to put in the time. And I do get that it's easy for all of us to consume a lot of this data because we've been doing it day in and day out for years. So we're only getting little pieces of information each, you know, each day. Customers have to come and they're drinking through a fire hose. But the other thing I'll say, and, and John, that I know you've been a big proponent of this, is have information pushed to you. I sign up for every ASOG webinar. I attend about five a year in person, but I get the PowerPoint presentation. I try to review it later. Sometimes in the morning I'll be multitasking. I'll listen to a podcast, have stuff emailed to you. So, Get information sent to you, but don't just think you're going to, you know, buy some software and start to be smart about it the next day. It really takes some time, and I just encourage customers to put in the time and effort up front. Luke, I'm giving you the last word, man. Bring us home. God's bottom. Customers just need to be smart and educated. That's that's all they can do. There is there is so much out there. There's so many resources, and 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 I wouldn't always trust your partner to be the person that's going to give you the right, you know, the right information. You need a strategic advisor sometimes. That doesn't have to necessarily be the partner. Just because your partner says, well, this is the cloud world based on what we think. You know, you have to look at, look at, look at other areas, look at different perspectives. And there's a lot of information out there. I mean, hell, go on to LinkedIn and ask a question. Get the experts to, to give you an answer. Yeah, and, and, and engage in the experts. I mean, there are people out there that are very well recognized, like Jarrett, you know, maybe like myself or whoever. There's there are people out there that do this every day, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with going out and engaging them and, and, and getting them to help you, give you some advice. Uh, you know, maybe you want to end up working with them. Who knows? But they can at least point you in the right direction and give you some of those um, those tips and those tricks that are going to help to make sure you set yourself up for success. Because ultimately, that's what we all want for customers and what customers want is, is to be successful. Yeah, and John, I'll just throw one more thing in. But if you're a success fa- if you're looking at success factors, go to Success Connect. Uh, John and I went last year. I think Luke's going to go this year. I, I'm on the fence whether I'm going to go. But, but I'm saying those are events where you get a chance to talk to fellow customers. 
I always encourage customers talk to customers, whether it be in the hallway or not. You're going to get a real sense of the good and the bad as to what happened on those their implementation. You're going to learn a lot as well. So. Well, Luke, I tried to give you the last word, man, but almost. <laughs> no, but Jared raises a good point there, and and yeah, and and I think for all of us, just knowing you know my stump speech around independent experts are just so important to making all this happen which is why I have the two of you on this long-winded, long-ranging discussion. Thank you very much, guys. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Thanks. John. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Luke.